He used to have a kind of laissez-faire attitude towards scheduling money tasks. He would pay bills late. We would get these late fees. And this was like, if you can imagine a cartoon where like the steam is coming out of your ears, that would be my response to what I felt was just the chaos of our financial life. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Question for my financial grown-up friends. Would you pay to end an argument with a loved one? What about if that argument was about the other person spending money on something you thought was a waste of money? Is there a price you could accept to just not argue anymore? We'll get into it with Prudential Financial Therapist, Amanda Clayman. She has been there and shares her strategies. Here is Amanda Clayman. Hey, Amanda Clayman, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bobby. I'm so glad to be here. You're a financial therapist and a financial wellness advocate for Prudential. Tell us what that means. I'm someone who helps support clients in kind of the messy areas of money, those places where we know what we should do, or or maybe we're trying to figure out what we should do, but we don't feel like we can quite get there. So I'm looking at, for example, the cognitive aspects of how we deal with money, the emotional aspects, the relational aspects, all of those things that really have a high level of impact on the financial decisions that we make. And this is something that hits home for you. You're going to be talking about a money story that illustrates how you have dealt with different money personalities, specifically um, getting very real here. You're going to talk about something with you and your husband in your early years of marriage. Tell us your money story. Yes, it's really funny because even as a financial therapist, it's not like I'm ever outside of the work. I still deal with money every day. I deal with it personally. I deal with it in my marriage. When I got married, I really thought this is clearly my area of expertise. I'm going to run the show. And yet one of the things that I discovered is that in my family of origin, my mother was the one who really managed the day-to-day finances. And in my husband's family, his dad did it. So both of us came into the marriage thinking, hey, this is my territory. As a result, we sort of went head-to-head for the first couple of years. And it didn't help that we have very different money personalities from each other. For example, Greg really wanted to have a lot of control over money, but he didn't want to manage it the way that I did. And he used to have a kind of laissez-faire attitude towards scheduling money tasks. He would pay bills late. We would get these late fees. And this was like, if you can imagine a cartoon where like the steam is coming out of your ears, that would be my response to what I felt was just the chaos of our financial life. And just to clarify, he wasn't paying bills late because there was actually a lack of the funds to pay. He just was not prioritizing that. It wasn't something that he valued. Exactly. He was very spontaneous. There were a million things that he would rather do than pay bills, but weirdly, he didn't want anybody else to be doing it. Right. You could have just taken it over. Right. It's not a good personality trait to like, want to control something, but not do a great job in controlling it. But that's obviously sort of my point of view. 
speaking there. Yes. And so one of the things that we did, because we just kept butting heads and I, I felt very shut out by this. It, it just made me crazy. We sat down and we calculated over the course of a year, generally sort of what these late charges added up to. And the number was not an insignificant number. Like it was in the hundreds of dollars over the course of the year. And when you say like, is that a good use of a couple hundred dollars? Obviously the answer is no. But the way that my husband put the question to me was, would you pay this amount of money to end this argument? I appreciated that reframing because A, ending the argument was certainly something that I wanted to do. And I was only looking at the way to end the argument by getting my way, as opposed to sort of focusing on on quantifying the problem. And it's a technique that I've used professionally with lots of people that I work with is how do we really sit down and not say, is this behavior good or bad? But really, how can we quantify what the consequences are, what the negative effects are, and be able to use that information to frame our decision-making process. So how was it eventually resolved? You just accept it or have you over the years switched where he is paying them on time or you're paying them or is this still a situation that you live with? Over the years, we I think we have met more in the middle as we've been financial partners and life partners with each other. But also one of the things about our system, and this also is part of my framework for working with couples, is that we have a pretty flexible arrangement. There have been periods where he's been busier and I have transitioned into the the lead financial manager in our family or certain circumstances. For example, like when we had a move and things were a lot more unstable financially in our family, like in terms of we were both working for ourselves, like cash flow was really variable. That is not a situation that I really, I I find it really emotional. I don't like it. So I transitioned out. He took the lead during that period. So at this point, you know, that was the beginning of the marriage where, where we just hadn't really established a working trust with each other. Now I would say that, that that flexibility, but also that sustainability, like that was an okay arrangement for us. I was willing to make that compromise in the beginning, but I wonder if over time it would have been unsustainable for me and and probably we would have needed to revisit it. So we all have to deal with different money personalities. Some are by choice as when we choose to marry somebody, but some are also just people that are in our lives because we work with them or we are related to them, not by marriage, so by blood, not by choice. What is the lesson from this for our listeners in terms of how they can relate it to dealing with different money personalities? Well, one thing to understand is that money is directly wired into our sense of survival. So when things feel out of control with money, we tend to just, our our brains light up like a pinball machine. So we're wired to be very reactive to things that happen with money. And sometimes that reactivity is not proportional to the actual threat. So like a disagreement with someone, let's say that you and a sibling need to make a decision, for example, about a family, like the what to do with the parent's house when it's time for them to move into a retirement community. You and your sibling may not disagree. That may feel like a relationship ender because it is. it feels like such a huge issue. So I advise people to be able to recognize, to look for the values underneath what's guiding the decision. 
if somebody comes to a different conclusion than you when they're looking at the same numbers, it's probably because they have a different set of associations, different things are important to them about that decision. So to try, and this gives us a tremendous opportunity to really expand our empathy, to even find a deeper level of connection with people when we're able to understand that money is not just the domain of rational facts, but something that is so deeply personal. And it's a way for us to get to know each other and to speak on that level of values in order to try to connect and come to an agreement. Yeah, we all come to money from so many different experiences in our life. That is very true. Let's move on. Tell us your everyday money tip because this is sort of related, but I think it's saying something that we all can put to work right away in terms of how we frame our approach to money. Yeah. One of my favorite things about being a financial therapist is that I'm able to work with the dual nature of money, meaning that money is simultaneously a symbol. We project a lot of meaning onto it and it's a tool. We can quantify it. We can exchange it. There are all kinds of things that we can do with it. So where we are experiencing pain and distress around something that's happening in our financial life that we want to change, there's such an opportunity to quantify that distress to a be able to to check just like Greg and I did in terms of like, is the amount of pain that I'm experiencing over the situation proportionate to the dollar amount in relative to what's happening in my life? We can do that too. If we say like, I spend too much money on X, quantify what you spend on X, be able to see like, is this really a threat? Or is this revealing something to me about like, my own relationship to my needs or like how I use money to take care of myself and messages I was told about whether or not that's okay. We can even get in there and instead of saying like, I'm going to cut this out, we can say like, I'm going to take, I'm going to take restaurants down by 50% or I'm going to increase savings by 30% moving forward. Like we can start to adjust these numbers and really get at a healthier place internally because we're working with both the symbolic value and the tool property. It's kind of like you had said before, knowing your money triggers. Yes. I feel like looking at sort of what pings us emotionally is really where the work is when it comes to financial health. Very well said. That's such amazing advice, Amanda. Tell us more about where people can learn more about you, your practice, and follow you on social media. You can find me at amandaclayman.com. I'm on Twitter as Amanda Clay and Instagram as Amanda Clayman. And I have a financial therapy page on Facebook as well. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bobby. Okay, my friends, this episode really hit home. And I'm personally taking a lot of her advice and strategies to heart for my own family. And especially during this pandemic and this uniquely stressful time. Here is my take. Financial grown-up tip number one. Amanda talks about money triggers. I know I can spend freely on things that may be important to me and get very upset if I am questioned about those decisions. But on the flip side, if I see a member of my family spending on something I think we don't need to pay for... Maybe let's say a taxi to go 10 blocks to avoid being late for an activity rather than maybe plan a little better in advance and walk. I'll get very upset. Although if we're being honest, I've done it a couple times, but not a lot. But after hearing what Amanda said, I went and looked up the total cost of what I view as unnecessary taxis. And you know what? It did add up. But at the end of the day, 
As Amanda said, I asked, is it worth having a fight each and every time it happens? Then having tension for days afterwards. And more importantly, do those arguments even solve the problem? The truth is, it doesn't. And it won't because we don't all see that as a problem. Maybe even though it is not the best use of money to keep the peace, it may just have to be baked into the budget and we need to make adjustments in other places, at least until the other person decides not spending money on something like that rather than just leaving on time, time management issues, whatever you want to call it, is also important to them. The truth is we all have different things that are important to us And we have to kind of make peace sometimes with the fact that they don't always align with other people that we are connected financially to. Financial grown-up tip number two. Amanda talks about periods of time when we face financial instability, and that is happening right now to so many of us. Personally, some of my projects are just in flux. We don't know. Until we get out of this horrible economic situation, I'm coping by just reminding myself that this was not caused by anything I could have controlled. And if you are feeling down, please take that to heart. If you are having economic setbacks, please don't blame yourself. Sadly, it's still probably on you to find solutions to the problem, but just remember, you didn't create it. Thanks to all of you for investing your time and your attention and your support. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. If you did, please consider sharing it with a friend and maybe taking the time to leave a review on iTunes. I truly appreciate each one and it's really helpful because it helps other people to see if this might be a podcast for them and then we can grow the show. And thanks to those of you who have sent me kind notes about the grown-up list. It is a curated note just once a month with ideas for a grown-up lifestyle, a few fun things, interesting things to make life better. You can get on the list for free at my website, bobbyrebell.com. And finally, I love hearing from all of you. So thank you for the feedback. You can DM me on Instagram at bobbyrebell1 and on Twitter at bobbyrebell. Big thanks to financial therapist, Amanda Clayman for helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.